and you don't walk down the street and see somebody kicking a puppy or a kitten to death and do nothing. And you don't stand there and watch a seal or a whale being killed and do nothing but take pictures and hang a banner. Listeners, I'm Stacey Lee Sherwood from Reality Checks with Stacey Lee, coming to you on All About Animals Radio. Now, if you think animal issues are just about animals, well, no, they also involve politics and economics, so they really do affect all of us. So I hope you learn a little something today and maybe be motivated to act and enjoy the show. So with that, today's guest is Captain Paul Watson. And for those who haven't heard of him, he's had quite the career. Spanning over 50 years, he is best known for influencing public opinion about whale hunting when he was with Greenpeace. In 1977, he founded Sea Shepherd Conservation, first in Canada and then Sea Shepherd Conservation in the US. Now, having parted ways back in 2022, he then founded the Captain Paul Watson Foundation. So Captain Watson, welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's great. It's great to talk to you. So uh, for those who aren't familiar with your illustrious career, let's just get started briefly with your departure with Greenpeace. I believe that you said that you had parted ways because Greenpeace was more docile and you wanted to take more of a direct action approach. Well, I was a co-founder of Greenpeace, but in 1977, right. I was the uh, campaign leader on the SEAL campaign in Eastern Canada. And uh, uh, there was a point where a sealer was about to club a baby seal and I ran forward, grabbed the club from his hand and threw it in the water and picked up the seal, took it to safety. And uh, Greenpeace, after the campaign, said that I um, had stolen the man's property and had vandalized his property. And I said, well, if I had to do it again, I'd do the same thing again. So I don't know if this is the organization I really should be with because, uh, you know, I, I don't go along with this bearing witness and watching these things and doing nothing. As I said at the time, you know, you don't walk down the street and see a woman being raped and do nothing. You don't walk down the street and see somebody kicking a puppy or a kitten to death and do nothing. And you don't stand there and watch a seal or a whale being killed and do nothing but take pictures and hang a banner. So that's why I... I had to leave. And I set up Sea Shepherd with a specific strategy, which I called uh, aggressive nonviolence, which means we're going to aggressively intervene, but we're not going to injure anybody. And after 50 years, uh, we've not I've not injured anybody. Uh, nobody's ever been uh, harmed in any of our campaigns, but we shut down literally hundreds and hundreds of illegal activities. Now, let me ask you a question about the seal huts in Canada. Uh, in 2023, it's hard to imagine that this still goes on. You know, it's hard to imagine people are still wearing fur with all the information. What do you think it would take to finally end, end that? Well, the sealing industry is dead, and it has been dead since 2008 because there's no market for the seal pelts. Right. It only continues to exist because of a $20 million subsidy from the Canadian government to the sealers every year. The quota is still a 400,000 seals, but they kill about 40,000, about 10% of that. And the reason being is that uh, there's just no, there's nothing to, there's, what are they going to do with all these pelts? And uh, so they sit in warehouses right now, what they get. And uh, it's a, just a glorified welfare program. 
And what's it going to take? I guess getting rid of the Trudeau government. Uh, they're the ones who are responsible for it. Justin Trudeau could end it if he wants to, but uh, he likes those votes in Newfoundland, and uh, he just caters to to their whims on that particular thing. But um, you know, we don't interfere anymore after 2008 for a very specific reason because the government would love us to interfere because that would then stir up all this nationalistic fervor and everything else, and we're just trying to see it die. A, uh, an economic death, which is what it should be. It should be doing, and it already has done that. If we can just get rid of those subsidies. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing the pictures of uh, the horrible pictures, and unfortunately, some of the videos of the clubbing of the baby seals, and I just couldn't believe. Uh, well, actually, knowing human nature, I could believe. But at the time, I was very young, and I couldn't believe how somebody could could see that and think, oh, I still want a fur coat or how that's, you know, that's, that's okay uh, in this, in this day and age. Um, so I did want to ask you a question about Sea Shepherd because you're most known for Sea Shepherd. And I know that you parted ways, but I just wanted to clarify, you parted ways with Sea Shepherd Conservation Society USA, but you are still involved with Sea Shepherd Global in Amsterdam. Is that correct? No, not no. anymore. Oh, not I was uh, I was forced out of uh, Sea Shepherd USA because they changed their policies and their focus. They wanted to. Have, they said I was. Uh, well, they actually referred to it as the Watson problem. That I was too confrontational. I was too controversial. That they wanted to work with the government in Mexico, and uh, I was a problem uh, for them because of that. So I I actually resigned from them because I could. I was still with Sea Shepherd Global, and then in September of last year, I get a an email from uh, Alex Cornelison uh, from Sea Shepherd Global, who is one of the six directors, myself being one. And the email just said, you're hereby dismissed from the global board. There was no meeting. There was no discussion. There was no vote. Lamy Assam Lamy is the president of Sea Shepherd France, was also a director. And uh, she was quite angry about this whole thing. And she she uh, rebelled against that, also kept asking questions. They refused to answer. And so in January of this year, she was dismissed without a vote, without a discussion. So four men, Alex Cornelis and Peter Hammerstead, Geert Vons and uh, Jeff Hansen, now control what they shouldn't be able to control because Sea Shepherd Global was set up uh, to coordinate ships and campaigns. It was never set up to control the movement. I set it up to be a movement of independent entities, whether it be Italy, France, US, New Zealand, Australia. But these four uh, have tr have now taken control of the of the whole thing, and they're suing Sea Shepherd France using donor money to do it. Uh, they're suing me. They're saying that um, uh, I'm violated their trademarks, uh, and now I'm prohibited uh, from wearing any Sea Shepherd you know, a paraphernalia, even though I designed the logos. Uh, I'm not even allowed to uh, post any pictures from our campaigns uh, on social media. They say all the archives all the photos and films belong to them and uh, so they've already restricted my facebook account uh, three times because of uh posting things which they thought belonged to them. the latest one and i'm still actually restricted is i posted a picture of uh one of our supporters who was a campaigner in the faroe islands in 2015 and they said that, that photograph belongs to us and without even consulting me they had facebook restrict the campaign it's almost like 1984 because they they're they're erasing everything about me on the social media on the websites uh they've erased 400 pages of history oh uh because, and because lammy and i were asking questions they didn't want to answer like 
Question number one, why are you collaborating with the Austral Fishing Company in Australia? And why are you collaborating with Mahrua Daichiro Fishing Company in Japan? Right. And uh, they refuse to answer that. The reason they're doing this is because they're getting donations from these companies. Yeah. And uh, why the other question, why have you hired an Israeli security firm to, uh, uh, you know, which has got a very bad reputation to uh, be working with you on these ships? Question number three, what what's happening with these African campaigns, these uh, collaborations you have with corrupt African nations where you're not accounting for what's happening to the vessels? You know, you say you put out all this publicity. We we stopped this ship and uh, from poaching and everything. But what happened to the poachers? So you don't tell anybody. Right. We looked into it. It's like they're held for a week. Their wrists are slapped and they're back out there fishing. So it's all smoke and mirrors, really. And um but the, the the main thing is that Sea Shepherd, I set it up as a movement, and that movement has been hijacked uh, and uh, is now being controlled by uh, four four men there, plus one in, one of them. And the one in the United States who controls Sea Shepherd USA is a Floridian property developer who has hunting fishing licenses in Alaska and Florida. And he's the guy in charge of it right now. And he's like packed board of directors with people. I don't even know who these people are. They're all friends of his. One of them, by the way, is a dolphin trainer. Dolphin trainer. Yeah. Diana well, Reese. Yeah. Fl Florida is a, is a bastion of animal cruelty. Uh, as you know, Florida is just between the bear hunt and what they're doing to sea turtles. And we have more dolphins in captivity than in the wild uh, or in captivity the rest of the country. I mean, we also have uh, tigers and lions here as pets. I mean, Florida is terrible. So it comes as no surprise that someone from that background in Florida would be running Sea Shepherd. Uh, USA that obviously doesn't bode well. But let me circle back to something that you said that caught my attention. Uh, you said that an Israeli security team was working with Sea Shepherd. Yeah, they've hired this Israeli security oh, team Lord. as a protection crew on on board the uh, the ships on the African coast. But okay. uh, it's a very sus suspect group, and they're even under investigation in Israel. Uh, but uh, the thing is that the, the security team began calling the shots to the crew, and they've had a, a few of their captains uh, quit because of this, you know, because they're no, why are we captains of these ships when the security team's telling us what to do and what can what they can't do? And, uh, and the security team's liaisoning with uh, governments in Africa, which are pretty corrupt, really. For instance, why is Sea Shepherd working with the government in Namibia? Uh, the Namibian government is killing seals. Right. Uh, Right. Well, it's probably the second largest seal hunt uh, on, on the planet. That's Why are they working with uh, Tanzania, Liberia, and and uh, the countries that are supporting Japan at the International Whaling Commission? Right. You know, uh, so what, this is what we by calling them out on these things is one of the reasons that they called it the Watson problem. I was I was basically told to to shut up, and uh, they'll they'll they, they'll pay me a lot of money if I just shut up and be a figurehead for something that I didn't agree with. So is is the excuse for hiring a security team supposedly against piracy, or did they not even give an well, excuse well, that's or reason? It. That's what they said. They say it's for against piracy, but you know the, that particular company is pretty uh, suspect. Anyway, when I was uh, running the ship side, you know, we had our own security. For instance, when we came along the coast of uh, Somalia uh, and uh, I didn't have a security team, what I did is I put up Quaker guns, which are uh, wooden, big wooden guns. 
that don't fire anything, but they're pretty intimidating. Look as you approach, and we did have poachers approach, and they just backed off when they saw the, they saw the um, our big guns. In fact, we were so uh, authentic that a U.S. Black Hawk helicopter flew over, and I and uh, identified us or call, called out to us and referred to us as a Dutch warship because we were flying the Dutch flag. But the ship was painted with the camouflage colors and had a big seventy-seven on the bow plus all these big guns. So we even convinced the U.S. Uh, uh, Navy that we were actually a Dutch warship, but <laughs> it, it certainly uh, fooled the, the 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 poachers. So there's no need to there's no need to be spending a lot of money to hire some suspect Israeli uh, security team. No, no. Well, that 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 obviously is a big red flag, uh, and you know it's it's a shame that Sea Shepherd has has gone down that path because you did a great job for so many so many years. Uh, and I've noticed a trend with a lot of nonprofits kind of being corrupted, you know, uh, where yeah, they where they're no longer following their mission statement, which is unfortunate. Like, but they're pretending that they do. Oh, they're pretending <laughs> that they do. Well, of course. Well, that's that's to help with fundraising and donations because the Sea Shepherd name will forever be linked with you. They can't erase you, no matter how many files and pictures they try to pull off the internet. Well. Nothing ever dies in Cyberland anyway, but they can't erase you. You were there for decades and you you made a a, a lifelong impact. So I don't I don't know what the what the thinking is, but uh, it sounds like some of those men have too much of an ego and not enough integrity. But that's just my opinion. That's just my I opinion. I think it's actually more than that. I think it's they've got themselves in very comfortable and secure jobs. And they don't want to lose right. them. Right. So every time we do something confrontational, they're afraid that we're all going to lose their tax status or or something. By the way, Australia, Sea Shepherd Australia took years to get their tax status, and they finally got that tax status because of the intervention of a, a man named David Carter, who is the CEO of Austral Fisheries, which is basically, it's a toothfish fishing company that goes down to the Southern Ocean to catch the fish, which is sold as Chilean sea bass. And uh -huh. uh, so... His intervention got them their tax status, and then he the, he sold a, one of their ships to Sea Shepherd Australia, which is now Sea Shepherd Global controls it, uh, for a very reduced price and threw in 600 tons of fuel as a bonus on that, as a bonus donation. And uh, then him and Jeff Hansen were doing talks to the media about sustainable fishing. <laughs> And our position is there is no sustainable. There is no fishing. sustainable, right. And uh, the most recent scandal is the fact that uh, the Australian government wants to expand the protections for the Macquarie Marine Park uh, off of, down in Australia and mm -hmm. the Macquarie Islands. And uh, conservation groups are certainly opposed to that. But the one group that is staying silent over this is uh, Sea Shepherd Australia. Why? Because uh, Austral Fisheries fishes in that area, and they do not want to be pushed out of that uh, that particular marine reserve. If it becomes a marine reserve, they won't be able to fish there. Huh. Well, it sounds it sounds bad bad all around. Um, I wanted to get to uh, some of your current projects, and I was on your website, and I was reading about. Oh, I can't even talk about it. Uh, Denmark's Faroe Islands. I might have mispronounced that. Um, and if if anyone listening isn't familiar with that, I, I I won't even call it murder or slaughter. It's it's among the most disgusting, vile, brutal attack on animals for like no legitimate reason. But that's just my opinion. Um, so I wanted to get your opinion on why you think this is still going on in 2023 
Well, first of all, I also want to add, though, that uh, we continue to work with Sea Shepherd France and with Sea Shepherd Brazil, okay. uh, who have not uh, changed their focus or their objectives. And Sea Shepherd UK has changed its name to the Captain Paul Watson Foundation. So we're continuing to work with the people in Great Britain on that. And Sea Shepherd UK was the one that was leading the campaigns to stop whaling in Iceland and also to, uh, against the Faroe Islands. And they were the ones that uh, Sea Shepherd Global is opposed to Iceland and to the Faroes, didn't want to get involved at it all. So Sea Shepherd UK was doing that. So the Faroe Islands, uh, what's happening uh, there is that they have this thing called the Grind or the Grindedrap, which in Nordic, uh, old Nordic translates literally into the murder of whales. And uh, they say it's a tradition uh, that they've been doing it for hundreds of years. I don't know how that justifies it, but any time a pod of pilot whales or dolphins, white-sided dolphins, are found, they're driven up onto the beaches and then viciously slaughtered with spears, knives, lances. And um, it's not done for, for the meat, as they say, because of, although they say that, but uh, the meat is so heavily toxic, uh, full of toxins like mercury uh, and methylmercury and, uh, and heavy metals that even their own doctors say you can't eat it. And the highest levels of mercury toxicity in the world are in the people of the Faroe Islands. Uh, and they feed, they feed this whale meat to their children, which to me is an abuse of, uh, is child abuse. Now, here's the interesting thing. Denmark has very, very strict animal protection laws, and, uh, but they don't seem to apply to the Faroe Islands. And the other thing is that, uh, say, for instance, in the production of pork in Denmark, if they found even one iota of methyl methylmercury in the pork, it would not be allowed to be sold. And yet here's a product which is full of methylmercury. And what that means is since they're only restricted legally to 280 grams per person per month, uh, and they're killing so many uh, pilot whales and dolphins that they can't consume them, every grind, as it's called, you know, hundreds of corpses are taken away and dumped into the ocean, mm -hmm. you know, and this last time we've actually recorded them being loaded onto the Coast Guard boat and taken out by the Coast Guard to be dumped into the ocean. In uh, when we were there this year, they made a very, very stupid mistake because uh, we got alerted to a grin happening. Unfortunately, we're in the top of the island. It took us uh, three hours to get to where it was. So we were 20 minutes late. And uh, the, the bay was still full of blood, but they had driven this pod of 78 pilot whales up onto the beach of the capital of Torshavn, right in front of a cruise ship, the Ambition, from the Ambassador Line. So all these whales were literally slaughtered in front of hundreds and hundreds of passengers, which... The cruise ship company was outraged. In fact, yes. I made the strongest statement I've ever heard from one of them. They, they, they even referred to it as this barbaric, uh, bloody uh, tradition and everything. And uh, we're trying to get cruise ships to, uh, you know, to cancel their voyages. To the, uh, Disney, for instance, is already canceled. They're, they're not, they don't right. go there. Right. Uh, but here's the key to it. And it's pretty hard when, to, to promote amongst vegans, but the biggest selling product is Faroese farm salmon. Right. And we're trying to get the idea into people's heads, this understanding that these whales are killed right by the salmon farms. The blood of the dolphins and the whales seeps right through the salmon that they're marketing to uh, people all over the world. And the rotting corpses of the, uh, of the pilot whales and dolphins are sitting right beside and not very far from the place where they're raising these farm-raised salmon. So the campaign we're trying to get underway right now is to boycott Faroese farm salmon. Like I said, it's pretty hard to boycott uh, if you're a vegan. <laughs> but we're trying, we're, we're trying to promote that amongst people who do 
um, you know, eat fish, for instance, you know, uh, to go, if you know of a restaurant or a fish market that sells Faroese farm salmon to approach them and say, could you please not do that? You know, you don't have to say you're vegan because then they won't listen to you anyway. But uh, if you just say, you know, can you buy your your farm salmon from, say, um, uh, somewhere else, not even buy farm salmon is horrible anyway. Buy it from Alaska where it's it's well caught salmon and it's raised from hatcheries or whatever. It's probably the only place that where you could actually justify it. But uh, farm raised salmon in itself is a real problem because, you know, it takes about 70 fish out of the ocean to raise one farm raised salmon. And the industry is full of antibiotics and uh, heavy toxic chemicals that are used to keep the fish from uh, dying from diseases. And the problem was that they, they transmit these diseases, these zoonotomic transmission of viruses from the farms into the indigenous salmon populations, which causes incredible problems. This is the reason the state of Alaska uh, bans farming of salmon. They say it's extremely destructive, and it is. It's extremely it is. destructive marine environment. Uh, it kills anything in the ocean uh, around within a kilometer of a, of a salmon farm is killed by the toxins that are that are put into the uh, into the farms. I think Florida wants to get into farming. I, I think I think they want to get into like aquaculture. Uh, yeah, Florida... I don't think they can do farm-raised salmon though because of the temperature difference. But but you know there are other things they can do. Of course. Yeah, I I don't I don't recall what it is exactly, but they were kicking the idea around. And of course, Florida water is among the most polluted between the red tide and the blue green algae, and we still dump human poop in the ocean. So it would be like the worst place you could ever raise anything. But you know, if it's a bad idea, Florida will will <clears throat> will will try it. We'll try to do it. I never saw I see the day that uh, Sea Shepherd would be supporting so-called sustainable fishing. There's no such thing as sustainable fishing. Our oceans are dying and they're they being are. overfished, overexploited. The ocean's full of noise pollution, chemical pollutions, plastic pollutions, on and on. Uh, at the COP21 conference in Paris, I, my, on my speech to that conference was what we need to hold a moratorium for at least 100 years. Uh, no heavy industrialized uh, fishing, heavy gear fishing. Uh, because we're just simply destroying the uh, the fish in the sea. Every single commercial fishery is in a state of collapse. Uh, and it's going and the the fact is is the problem is is that we we adapt to that diminishment. We just accept it and we move on to something else. In the 1990s, orange ruppy was a very commercial fish. You found it in every fish market or what could on any menu really. And it's not there anymore. Uh, the fish hasn't gone extinct, but it's pretty low, the numbers. And the reason is, is that a salmon takes four years to become sexually mature, and then it dies. An orange ruffy takes 45 years to become sexually mature and lives to 200 years. It cannot it cannot keep up with the uh, the demand that we they put on it. Bluefin tuna has been reduced by 90%. So now it's the most expensive fish in the world. One bluefin tuna averages $75,000 for one fish on the Man. Japanese market. And some of them sell for over a million dollars on that and because the problem is scarcity translates into demand and demand translates into higher profits. So what we're talking about here is the economics of extinction, driving entire species to the brink of extinction in order to profit from their scarcity. And uh, that, that's the, the major problem. Excuse me. But what happened, what's really a problem for the ocean is that since 1950, there's been a 40% diminishment. And this is from a Scientific America report in 2010, a 40% diminishment in phytoplankton population in the sea, that is aquatic plants. 
Phytoplankton provides up to 70% of the oxygen in the air we breathe. It sequesters enormous amounts of CO2. Now, why is phytoplankton being diminished? It's because phytoplankton require nutrients, a nutrient base in order to flourish. And those elements are uh, magne magnesium, uh, iron, and uh, nitrogen. And where do they get that? From the feces of whales and seabirds and, and other animals. And one blue whale every day defecates three tons of manure into the ocean. And that's why they call the whales uh, the farmers of the ocean. They're fertilizing the giant crops of phytoplankton. And then the phytoplankton, of course, uh, feeds the zooplankton, and the zooplankton then feeds the fishes on and on. It's basically the, the foundation of the entire aquatic food chain. <laughs> and and now they're talking about, uh, in fact, they are doing is going down a mass uh, exploitation of zooplankton. And why do they want the zooplankton? They want to take millions of tons of zooplankton out of the ocean because then they grind it into a protein paste for salmon farms and factory farms. And that, and uh, so we're literally destroying eating the oceans a lot. Only about forty percent of the fish that are caught out of the ocean are actually eaten by fish uh, by people. It's fed to chickens and to pigs and other forms of uh, and other uh, forms of livestock. And that, so uh, that's the problem. Yeah, uh, yeah. The the ocean is def is def is definitely dying, uh, and. The warnings have been out there for decades and no one seems to be paying attention. Um, I wanted to ask you about this guy, I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Christian Lofsen. I believe you described him as like the modern day Captain Ahab in Iceland. Mm -hmm. the, only reason, the only reason whaling continues in Iceland is because this 80 year old man named Christian Lofsen, who's been, you know, his father had a whaling company. He's been involved with killing whales since he was uh, 15 years old. And uh, he's a, the wealthiest man in Iceland, very influential. And uh, what Christian Lawson wants, he usually gets, but he's obsessed with killing whales. And he's not killing any whales. He's targeting the very endangered fin whales. It's the only country in the world that kills an endangered whale. Hmm. And uh, so we shut him down before uh, 1986. I sank half of his whaling fleet and destroyed his whale processing plant and shut him down for a number of years. We shut him down again in 2007. We shut him down again in 2019. Uh, this year he was about to go and uh, I sent, uh, I was with the ship, my, my ship, the John Paul de Joria. We went to uh, Iceland and the day, within hours of our arrival, the Minister of Fisheries and Agriculture, she put a temporary ban on whaling till the end of August of this year. So that made him extremely angry and uh, he's calling for the minister to be fired and He's calling for the overthrow of the government of Iceland over this uh, decision. And now he's asking for a four-year extension on his permit starting again in 2024. So it's it's an ongoing battle. I mean, as long as this guy's alive, he's going to want to kill whales. And because he has so much power, even though the government of Iceland is opposed to it and the people of Iceland are opposed to it, he gets what he, he wants. Okay. So that's going to be... Um, we're going to put a lot of energy into trying to stop him if he if he's allowed to continue to do that. And we're also going to put a lot of energy into trying to, um, you know, to stop the slaughter of the pilot whales and the dolphins uh, in um, in the Faroe Islands, in addition to uh, organizing a really uh, powerful boycott of Faroese farm salmon, also putting up ads uh, around, you know, so calling attention to what's happening there, getting cruise ships to stop their, uh, you know, going there. And 
you know, so it's a long, it's a long struggle, of course. Of course, in the Faroe Islands, I'm considered to be a terrorist for my opposition to this. This year, when we went there, uh, the Faroe Islands put um, an order that we weren't approached within 12 miles of the coast of the Faroe Islands. Mm -hmm. And uh, I respected that order up until a grin was called. Then I just went right in and uh, then uh, I went back out again, and then they called it another grin, and I went back in again, and this time a pot of whales were able to escape. But uh, for doing that, for entering their waters uh, without their permission, uh, they then took us to court, didn't get a summons, uh, didn't even get a chance to get a lawyer, but they held the court case, Danish judge, Danish court, and uh, of course they found us guilty. And uh, we're uh, we're fined twenty three thousand dollars for going into the waters, which seems pretty excessive for such a minor charge. And every one of our crew members is fined six hundred dollars. That's twenty seven crew members are fined six hundred dollars for uh, illegal immigration. But nobody set foot on in the Faroe Islands. We we're just passing through their waters. But uh, we're appealing that, uh, of course. But uh, you know the. The, the law sides with uh, with the whalers every time. A few years ago, what we intervened against a, a, a driving of a pod of orcas that were being driven towards the shore, sent a, sent a small inflatable boat to intervene, get in their way. And they were able to get to, to stop them. But then our crew on that boat were then charged with, get this, cruelty to animals. Wait, I'm sorry, <laughs> what? They were charged with cruelty to animals. You guys were charged with that? Because our intervention caused stress to the animals that were about to be killed. And uh, when we pointed out in court that the whalers were doing the same thing, we were just trying to stop them from doing it. The court said the whalers are exempt from the cruelty to animal regulations, but you are not. <laughs> it's the same in Canada. with the, If you witness, photograph, or film, or approach anybody killing a seal, you're arrested in Canada under what is called the Seal Protection Act. <laughs> no sealers have ever been arrested, arrested under the Seal Protection Act, only journalists and uh, animal rights people and environmentalists. So the Seal Protection Act doesn't actually protect the seal from abuse. It just uh, protects the abusers from people trying to document the abuse, basically. Yeah, and when you go to yeah. court, you're charged with the Seal Protection Act and people's first reaction, well, what were you doing to the seals? Right. <laughs> oh my God, that the, was, the that insanity. That was Pierre Trudeau's very brilliant uh, uh, way of dealing with it. You know, Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau and now his son are probably the, you know, the, the biggest problems when it comes to animal uh, welfare abuse and native Indian abuse in Canada. Yeah, I've been reading about some, some of that too. Um, so I wanted to get your opinion you know, you look at Japan and, and Denmark and Iceland, and I, I think Norway still hunts whales too. And these are all modern countries. They want to be, you know, involved in global trade. And they want to be seen as enlightened and all of that, as, as opposed to, you know, third world countries. Um, and it seems to me, because I've also been an activist since I was in high school in the 80s. Um, I remember when people would go to protest, there'd be more hope and enthusiasm and more people. There'd be more people at protests, there'd be more people signing petitions, there'd be more people going to hearings and being more proactive. And over the years, it seems that you can't even get someone to go to a hearing um, when it actually directly impacts them. I was wondering if you think that maybe people are just, I don't know, anesthetized to violence towards animals or they're, they're like comatose. Um, well, I can show you one of the reasons right here. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People are no longer engaged on these things. Uh, and um, so things are much, much different than they were 10, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Uh, uh, people are alienated from the natural world and getting more and more so. And of course, it's what I was mentioning before, the uh, uh, adaptation to diminishment. As things yes. become scarce, we just uh, adapt to it. For instance, if this was 1965 and I were to tell you that in 40 years you'd be buying water in plastic bottles and paying as much for that water, if more more than that, than gasoline, you would I say, think you were crazy. Yeah, nice. yeah. Who would say, you know, we're not going to do that. But even in New York City, which has the cleanest drinking water in the country coming out of its faucets, they buy it in the store. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I mean, I look at the world around and I just can't believe... Uh, I just can't believe what's going on. And I guess uh, I guess there's no going to the world court to seek any kind of a remedy, no, I world guess. Court means yeah. We got a victory in the world court against Japanese whaling and Japan said, okay, and then went back whaling. Uh, that's pretty much, the world court has no teeth at all. Uh, mm -hmm. The uh, International Whaling Commission has no powers of enforcement at all. Out on the ocean, outside of 200 miles, it's the wild west. You can do whatever you want. Uh, you know, the reason we get away with our interventions is the same reason they get away with what they're doing. You know, uh, they come after us to strip our flag, like the Pharaohs just got our Jamaican flag taken away from us, but we'll go get another flag. But uh, it's constant harassment from bureaucrats from around the world because the people who control governments are the corporations with the means to do so. Exactly. Right. Uh, so nothing gets changed through a you know, by um, by governments, uh, the only thing that ever brings about change in the world historically, uh, and all levels of social interactions, whether it be uh, you know civil rights or uh, you know the end of slavery or animal rights, the only thing that everything gets done is the passion, the courage, and the imagination of individuals. That's the only thing that ever changed. It wasn't the U.S. government didn't end slavery. It was ended by people like Wilberforce and uh, and uh, Douglas and, and people like that. The U.S. government didn't end, uh, didn't give women the vote in the United States. In fact, Woodrow Wilson, who actually signed it and gets the credit for it, was 100% opposed to women getting Against the vote. Against it, right. And uh, right. so, but, you know, he gets the credit and all those, you know, thousands of women who uh, campaigned against it are, are completely forgotten. But uh, that is the reality of uh, things. And plus now today, we're, we're, we're so bullied and dominated by media. Media tells you to think. Media tells you what to wear. Media tells you what to eat, you know, uh, and people just go with it. And uh, media even redefines history, you know. So motion pictures about things like oh, Braveheart or whatever like that are just completely rewrite history to give you something which is so opposite to what actually happened. But that's what people believe actually happened because, well, Hollywood said so. And uh, so it's, it's a bizarre world uh, th that we live in in that way where, you know, science and facts and uh, nature are something that isn't given very much uh, credence at all. Well, people want a, they, people want a happy ending. Um, and I remember seeing a, like a little cartoon that's been around for a few years. And it was two, two different screenshots. And one was like a crowd of people and there was a guy at a kiosk and it said, you know, basically lies and happy ending. And there was another guy at a kiosk 
and it said the truth. And there was like two people in line for the truth and just like throngs of crowds for the happy ending and the lies. And unfortunately that's, you know, that's kind of the way it is. So I know you're a very busy, busy man. Oh, and I, and I, I know, you, I know you press for time. What would be your final message for people listening that have hopefully, uh, you know, been enlightened about what's going on around the world, not just with whales and dolphins, but seals and, and the oceans in general. So what would be like a final message for people who want to get involved and what, what they can do? Because a lot of times people think, oh, it's such a big colossal problem. How can I help? But everyone, my feeling is everyone can help. Everyone can do something. So what would be uh, your your final well, thoughts on that? Going on what you just said about the, the two different lines, you know, I, I've actually established my own church and it's not a religious thing. It's called the Church of Biocentrism, mm -hmm. which is that we have to adapt this understanding that we're part of everything, not dominant over everything, that um, everything, we're not the most important species on the planet. I mean, the planet can get along just fine without us, but can it get along without bees? Can it get along without worms? Can it, you know, all these uh, plankton, for right, instance, right. Uh, and that so we're not we have to learn to uh, live in harmony with all those species if we're going to survive almost all the world's religions are anthropocentric that is it's all about us everything was created for us everything revolves around us and that's i'm trying to change that attitude that it isn't all about us we're you know equal species and i like to sum it up by saying that uh, if you look at the earth as a spaceship which is what it is on this incredible voyage around the milky way and every spaceship has a life support system and that life support system provides us with everything we need food it regulates time climate and temperature and produces oxygen for us to breathe and uh, that life support system is run by a crew of um, engineers and those engineers are the bees and the worms and the fishes and everything in the trees. Those are the engineers on the planet Earth. What are we humans? We're passengers. We're having a great time amusing ourselves, entertaining ourselves. But what we are doing is murdering the crew. We're killing the engineers. And there's only so many engineers that you can kill before that machinery begins to fall apart. And that's what's happening right now. What is what is climate change? Climate change is being caused by the, 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 the diminishment of species and the diminishment of diversity of species. Mm -hmm. And uh, because our engineers are being killed, it's as simple as that. And that's where we really should concentrate on protecting uh, the the strength of diversity among species and the strength of our ecosystems. And that's what will, you know, save the planet and save, and save the ocean, especially, because that's why I always say if the ocean dies, well, we all die. Uh, but if people want to get involved, we have our, our website, which is the Captain Paul Watson Foundation. And, uh, you know, we're trying to encourage people to become monthly donors because uh, that gives us a secure uh, program in order to run our ships and, and campaigns. And we're, we're developing more and more campaigns. We're going after super trawlers here in a couple of months. Uh, these are these giant factory ships that are operating off uh, the coast of Europe. And... Uh, and also, we're you know just trying to uh, get as many people involved in participation, which is more important than really just anything else. You know, get involved. It doesn't matter what you do, but if everybody uses their skills and their abilities to make this a better place, and that's all it does to make a to make a difference. One person can change the world. I mean, because of Diane Fossey, we still have mountain gorillas in Rwanda. Because of David Wingate, we still have the Bermuda storm petrel in uh, in Bermuda. Uh, and look at Greta Thunberg, one high school girl was able to, to accomplish and that. So people just have to understand that they have the power to make that change and to, to do what needs to be do, be done. And that means focusing on a particular 
ecosystem or focusing on a particular species. And, uh, you know, one of the things I got criticized for is that people say, you ask young people to risk their life to protect a whale. How can you ask a young person to risk their life to protect a whale? And I'm going, we ask young people to risk their lives all the time. In fact, we ask them to die for flags, for real estate, for oil companies. I think it's a far more noble thing to risk your life to the protection of a dangerous species or a habitat. Exactly, exactly. And of course, uh, wildlife belongs to everybody. There, there's no real ownership. Uh, same, same, with, same with the land and the water and the air. I know people claim they own land and beach and this and that, but the, the planet belongs to everybody. And I always say that nature isn't something we have to get in a car to go to. Nature starts with us. Uh, people have that disconnect, like you had mentioned, but nature starts with us. We are nature. We, we, are, we are animals, some of us more than others. Um, and so we are part of this great biodiversity and we do seem to be on a, on a suicidal, suicidal mission. Um, so I will leave it there. So thank you so much, Captain Paul Watson, for being here. And I encourage people to check out his foundation, the Captain Paul Watson Foundation, and to get involved. Uh, like Paul said, anybody can do anything, you know, big or small, uh, but everybody can do something. So thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you.